0: This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects all of us in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. But first... Okay, so today we've got kind of an interesting way of uh, approaching this because we've actually got multiple subjects to deal with. We've got... Security, Uh, we've got the supply chain, uh, and and we've got marketing—all kind of combined in one. And the reason I'm doing that is because uh, we're we're talking today to with Paul Giorgi, who is a director of sales engineering for XM Cyber. Uh, And what they do is is they help uh, companies identify where weaknesses are in their security. So that's it's a good product. Um, But the problem with pretty much all technology companies is that they really don't invest much in the way of marketing. And what they do invest in is pretty much the duplicate of everyone else. Uh, So I wanted to go into how that affects the adoption of of technology on a broader scale and, and the focus that companies do. So the longer part of this uh, episode is going to be on the interview with Paul uh, and some of the the, uh, little questions that I gig him with. But uh, the issue is whether these companies actually know where they stand in the market. So that'll make it an interesting way of looking at it. And then we're going to talk uh, further on after we've had had, uh, the discussion with Paul About how companies can fix the problem. So, with that in mind, let's go directly to our interview with Paul Giorgi, director of sales engineering for XM Cyber. We're we're in this window right now, where cyber attacks on the supply chain. Don't really work because the supply chain is in such bad shape that you can't really stop it. It's already stopped. I was reading an article this morning about how the largest port in the United States, the Port of Los Angeles, has a record number of ships, almost 800 ships sitting in the harbor waiting to be offloaded because there are not enough uh, truckers to uh, to load the, the material onto That's actually the good news when it comes to the protection of the supply chain on the cyber side, uh, because we actually have time to make some fixes. So Paul, welcome to uh, Crucial Tech. And tell me, what is it that XM Cyber can do uh, that can help us make sure that the supply chain doesn't get attacked again?
1: Yeah, thanks, Lou. So XM Cyber, it's, it's one of those breach and attack simulation platforms, but it's unique in the fact that we really create a map of what's possible from an attacker's perspective. So uh, we create what we call scenarios in our framework. And in these scenarios, you define a breach point and then your critical assets, and then using the telemetry we've gathered from all the different components of your system, we can tell you what's possible from that attacker's perspective. So define, uh, I mean, we're talking about supply chain. So let's take a, a component of supply chain that you have no control over. You don't have insight into defense mechanisms. Maybe it's a third party, maybe it's a supplier, maybe it's a contractor with some sort of access to your environment you have to assume the worst. And so assuming the breach starts in those situations, it allows you to understand the risk that those entities pose for your entire system. Uh, So no longer do you have to defend uh, each entity within their own Area, everything becomes a holistic view where everything's interconnected. Context, understanding if this one asset has this vulnerability, what risk does that pose for this other vulnerability. So we call, uh, we create what we call attack maps. And within these attack maps, it shows vectors where you could say, hey, this is the direction that an attacker can go from those breach points to then compromise your critical asset. Sometimes it takes two steps. Uh, I think the record internally for XM Cyber is 119 steps to go from a breach point to a critical asset. Obviously, in those situations, uh, I would be very secure as a defender saying, hey, the only way to get access to that critical asset is stepping through 119 steps. In those situations, I, I feel pretty secure. But when if an attacker can take two steps to move from a breach point to a critical asset, that that's that's a risk that I need to figure out how better to defend. So that's the main point of X M Cyber. Just to give that attacker's perspective. And what's really re- unique about it within the context of supply chain is supply chain. You have to assume breach. You have to assume the worst. And you're not trying to defend against that supply chain component. You're worried about the downstream components that then could be impacted by that breach. So then what you can do is you can then identify that asset uh, and then create those attack maps to then determine what would be the possibility of compromising those critical assets and what risk that those supply chains have to you. So it's a really great time to kind of be in this breach and attack simulation space. It's taking off and what's cool about with it uh, within the supply chain arena is it maps perfectly debris to, to where XM cyber does because we're, we're really the only breach and tax simulation platform that has this define a breach point, define your critical assets, and then we create these attack maps. So it's it's something really unique in this space. And it almost, I feel like eventually it's going to get pulled out and defined as its own area of breach and attack simulation because it's it's not security control validation. It, it's something bigger and it get, provides different value and maps perfectly to the supply chain.
0: Well, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I do talk to a lot of companies and uh those are some of the same descriptions they use for their own uh, materials. But let's let's break down uh, into what the specific weak points are in, in, generally in a supply chain.
1: Yeah, so in a supply chain, uh, the weak points, are tied to the uncertainty of being able to defend it. So supply chain is a a pretty broad category of attacks. Uh, we We can look at them from examples, from big ones that happen, and then we categorize them as supply chain, but it really is kind of a bigger subset. It's just the idea of you being able to initiate an attack on a asset from some sort of component that is a has a weaker security that's uh, has some sort of dependency tied to the attack target. So uh, I know that that's kind of a, a weird definition and it, it, it's just the way I described it, I'm not reading it. But what happens is it's this idea that, hey, I can't compromise this specific asset, but there's a dependency that this asset has further up down the line that has a very weak system. So I can compromise that. And then as it trickles down, wh- whether it's a direct dependency or some sort of like step by step by step dependency i can eventually compromise that asset by attacking something that's further down the down the line so uh if you think about kind of how that maps to breach and attack simulation it allows you to understand like okay what are the risk points what should i be simulating from an attack vector so when we define those breach points you you get to simulate all of the context of the other systems within the uh, the overall organization to be able to determine like hey is there a vulnerability that's sitting right next to that component of this third-party supplier Um, and then could that be exploited which then would lead to another ability for them to then pivot over to another asset which would then be able to then uh, uh, initiate an attack directly from that asset so it's this whole idea of defending holistically you have to understand that we aren't uh, trying to defend each individual asset by itself anymore as you look at an overall organization everything has context everything has some sort of dependencies and interrelational um, holistic capabilities and so what you need to understand is hey how do i defend everything together and understanding that the security Uh, tied to these supply chain attacks, whether it is that third party supplier or some some sort of other component, we often don't necessarily have the ability to uh, uh, have the security posture assessed or have the right same protection mechanisms on those. So being able to assume breach on those assets understand like hey I have to assume that those are going to have some sort of foothold in my environment and then from there seeing the impact that those has and the risk that they have to your critical assets and the risk that they pose for your environment is is really kind of the overall point of a supply chain attacks and defending against them correctly.
0: Well, that's that's still kind of general, but you know, imagine that I'm I'm somebody you know, working on the supply chain of, say, semiconductors, and imagine that I'm also an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but I, I may be repeating myself here. Um, what is the most common? What are the most common forms of uh, weaknesses within the uh, a semiconductor supply chain, for example?
1: Yeah, so within a semiconductor supply chain, I mean, there's a lot of different components. So there's not anybody who just creates a semiconductor alone. Uh, there's not somebody who just has all of every single component being made from scratch. There's a lot of different components that go into it. And there's a lot of different, usually vendor relations. Um, there's a lot of other different components and dependencies for that semiconductor that are outside of the scope of that semiconductor company. So let's let's take one example of those. There's probably some sort of need to have some sort of third-party uh, vendor providing some sort of service to you. So let's say that that's provided as a VPN connection. So they have a VPN connection. I allow them to come into my environment and I have some sort of inherent trust that they have the right mechanisms and security around their environment. So that way they don't pose as much risk to me. But when I'm allowing them to provide this service and this component for me to create those semiconductors, I I have this relationship where I have to rely on them to provide that service, but I need them to do it in a secure, secure way. So I have them VPNing in, they have access to different sensitive things, they might even have direct access to some of my critical assets. So then what I need to be aware of is that hey, as my semiconductor business is making semiconductors, I have this third party supplier who has this VPN connection. This VPN connection poses risk to my critical assets in this way and by having this this dependency on this third party, I need to accept or mitigate each one of these risks. Does that that help?
0: Yeah, it does. Cool. Um, does 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 your system help with uh, say the lack of visibility? And the reason I say that is that um, th- there have been some audits done uh, in the past couple of years that show that the proliferation of uh, Internet of Things devices, yeah. uh, phones, uh, pa- iPads. That they aren't tracked by most systems. So would what you do help provide more visibility into that?
1: No, uh, so we don't really do like a, an asset or an inventory capability of like all the different IoT devices in an environment. I think that there's other components that that do that a, a lot better than that we, we could. Um if you do have those type of things inventoried, we can import those in and kind of assess the overall risk, but I think that uh, that is definitely an area that we all need to get better at as more IoT devices kind of start making their way into really critical environments. Um, I, I see that uh, really common like uh, industrial organizations, SCADA networks, those type of things, those things have been sitting there for forever, sometimes 15, 20 years and never had a single patch applied to it. And now that those OT networks are starting to tie into those IT networks, uh, there is definitely the need to assess, hey, what does those networks what does the risk of those networks pose to my IT networks? So, in those type of situations, we can map out the, the what would be the risk, how would be what would be the choke points in the environment, what would be the credentials as we move around that could potentially leverage some sort of trust or some sort of uh, open network firewall to be then then be able to launch an attack from those other environments. But we don't really provide a way to kind of get visibility into the, all the overall uh, OT environments. We're, we're more focused on understanding the vulnerabilities, the user behavior and misconfigurations of a lot of what, what are traditionally within the IT environment. So, so cloud environments like your AWS and your Azure, those type of environments and the traditional Mac Linux and Windows. So we, we take the telemetry from all those and then to create those breach and attack simulations from those scenarios I talked about.
0: Okay. Well, okay. That covers visibility, and I, I think it, it, there there are three main areas of, of or weaknesses that I've seen over the past couple of years in supply chains, and one of them is visibility of uh, of devices so they, they know you know just what the heck is actually causing causing the breaches yeah. uh the second one is is something i think uh you've already explained is uh developing a more proactive rather than a reactive uh stance to breaches so you you do cover that one but yeah. the third one is uh the lack of accountability uh in other words you know who's actually responsible for for uh closing uh potential breach uh, or potential gaps in the the chain. So does what you do help uh, actually improve accountability within that structure?
1: Yeah, in some ways. Um, So lack of accountability is a good one. I think um, uh, w- there's just, just so many components. You think about every single entity having probably five or six different teams. And now with uh, the proliferation of cloud and a lot of these uh, consumerization of IIT, I-, I think that that was a term coined a long time ago, but we still see it all the time. There's there's not a lot of people that you can pinpoint the accountability on. Like um, So uh, like, for example, like a, a new cloud environment, there's probably six or seven different, com- uh, different teams that all Decide. Okay, we're going to spin up this new AWS account. Hey, Mr. Developer, here's your environment. Uh, this is going to come out of this cost budget. So there's a lot of different pieces, and tying it to, hey, for this business justification, you need to have these things fixed. I think most organizations would just keep passing it around those five or six people without ever anyone doing anything about it. What's really great about when you create these breach into SAC simulations or these attack maps that I was talking about within our scenarios, you're allowed or you get the visibility of the consequence of context within those entities. So when we're talking about accountability, a lot of times we create lists. And if you think about like vulnerability management, it's a great example of us just creating a list or patch management is another one. Hey, you need a patch and here's the list of things that you need to patch. It gets assigned to some sort of business owner and there's not a lot of awareness of what this means to the overall organization. So being able to map those actions, whether it's a patch, whether it's a vulnerability, whether it's a piece of software, uh, hey, we've identified your asset as a choke point and you pose a risk to this, these other critical assets and uh, being able to create that sort of mentality around uh, accountability is really powerful. Um, handing a person, hey, you need to patch these 300 systems with these two patches is not really giving them the motivation they need, but when you're assigning accountability and saying, hey, Did you know that this system creates a very significant risk to this list of these critical assets? And we need you to patch it to mitigate this risk so you're no longer a choke point. I think that that definitely puts the motivation behind them to be able to create that accountability that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, uh, there was a report from the University of Tennessee a couple of years ago that found that 93% of companies that they surveyed had, uh, had... people installed to to mitigate risk uh but the problem was is that supply chain risk was not included in their purview and you know and that involved suppliers logistics providers and even insurance carriers uh in developing procedures and responses that would give the account manager the necessary tools to effectively handle any disruption so uh when, when you're working with these companies, are you working with the CISOs who are generally ignored by everybody else in the company, or do you actually get, get down into uh, the, the management chain and get a hold of these people that do, uh, uh, do off of the choke points?
1: Yeah, I I think that most commonly we see us really tied to higher levels of uh, security leadership within an organization, whether it's a VP of security or maybe it's VP of cloud security. Um, Often we are tied to the CISOs directly. I mean, there there are several customers I know that we work with on a weekly basis where we attend their leadership meetings and we pull up, open all of our graphs and say, hey, for whatever reason, the risk tied to this application has been dropping over the last two weeks. Let's look and see what's changed. Let's talk about it. And then on that call, leadership will be assigning different things like, hey, who created that account? Why is it open to too much permission? Did you realize that the, the risk that it created, I need you to apply the correct permissions. And then two weeks later, we'll have a follow-up and the, the leadership team will be like, okay, we, we've addressed that risk from that way. So I think that the, the visibility of the security context and the, the overall ecosystem really gives some powerful capabilities for leadership within security to get um, kind of like that accountability where you're talking about the accountability of the different teams, being able to see everything that changes within an organization, the overall risk and the, the kind of the the butterfly effect it has to the other systems within the environment. So that that's usually where we see us tied into. Um, we have also been used as Uh, like a a red team tool before. So um, organizations that have the luxury of having their own red team, uh, what happens is these red teams can carry out these campaigns. Um, We provide, I've heard a customer call it, we provide the Google Maps directions or step-by-step, like, hey, if I wanted to go through this, I can exploit it this way. So from a red team perspective, we do a lot of the hard work for them and provide direct mappings to say like hey take a left here take a right here grab this credential now attack this asset grab this credential so we provide that ability for to make their lives a lot easier plus we help with all the reporting and then a lot of the visualizations go into the 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 capabilities of those teams really well so um so that's kind of an example where where we sit kind of at, at a leadership perspective kind of CISO so vp of security giving them the ability to address things and see things at a high level but then also also kind of on those smaller teams, giving them those insights around, hey, if I'm an attacker, what would be a path that I could take? And I mentioned it a couple of times around that map of possible from an attacker's perspective. What, what could I do? And as I'm conducting my campaign as a red teamer, uh, I'm going to carry out these steps, validating them along the way. But I, I have a lot of options and a lot of different routes I could take uh, uh, following that, that map quest or that Google Maps direction.
0: Well, you might be missing a market issue, um, <laughs> because you know I've ta- I'm talking to my compatriots in the security journalism world, and basically they say, from what they can see, 80% of the companies in the world don't even have a CISO, much less a- anyone dedicated to protecting the- their network. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And if you're working primarily with CISOs and red teams well, you're working with a minority of the market.
1: (laughs) Well, I think that if you don't have a CISO, you're probably not too worried about the business impact of risk in your environment. So I think that probably should be the first thing they should be addressing. Like, hey, we need to understand as our business as a whole, the impact of security and understand things like information security and risk and my intellectual property and damage uh, for brand. I mean, there's a lot of other components that, First, probably need to be assessed from a business standpoint. But uh, if 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 we're talking about eighty percent of the organizations have a CISO, and we're not talking about mom and pop shops, obviously we understand that those uh, really don't have the need for it. But if if they're creating a sizable amount of revenue, I think that we live in a world today that every single morning you turn on news, we see what happens. We see the relevancy around security and uh, uh, as it ties into brands and understand the need for it. So yeah. Don't buy XM Cyber right now. Go get a CISO, (laughs) figure out your overall risk. And then after you put together a strategy or you're formulating a strategy, then this would be a great tool to, to really equip a CISO with that visibility and those action items.
0: Yeah, well, that might be a way for XM Cyber to actually validate a statement that you're a leader if you can actually start a program to train people how to do this yeah. because you know, I, you know i'm seeing that what your technology well, really, it's not just your technology but every technology i talk to i say look if somebody just adopted one of these technologies or one of these services it would essentially be adopting uh, a virtual CISO for whatever program you've got Because at least at least you would you would have some idea of where the vulnerabilities are. I I did uh, a piece a uh, a while ago about how the very the the very first thing you need to do is hire somebody to attack you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just just get a white hat hat hacker and have them do a a penetration test. Yeah. Once you do that, then you have a basic idea. And what you seem to be describing uh, specifically for supply chains is a very muscular penetration testing.
1: Yeah. So I, I, definitely uh, spent uh, many years uh, in defense teams and SOC teams. And uh, every time that every pen test would happen, it would be such an eye-opening experience. Uh, we would then have all of our priorities shift and we would say, man, how did we not miss this? And then for the next few weeks, we'd focus on remediating that one thing. And there's no way that this would ever happen again. And then the, obviously the next quarter would happen, another pen test would happen, and they would find some other sort of mechanism. And then our priorities would shift. So there's definitely like you're describing that, that revelation that happens when you put yourself in the mindset of an attacker and you're no longer just looking at those lists that I was talking about where it's, hey, I've got these lists of vulnerabilities, I patch them. But when you're looking at, hey, if I'm an attacker, I move from this breach point and these are the steps that I can compromise a critical asset, that is a really powerful capability. However, I think that most organizations, if they don't have a plan why spend money trying to figure out if your plan would work? Uh, I think what needs to happen first is you need to figure out some sort of defense mechanism. You need to figure out, okay, what's my strategy? How am I going to defend across this? Why focus on trying to figure out if your plan is going to work if you don't even have a plan yet? So I think that there's definitely a lot of foundational components that organizations need to address within kind of formulating their overall security strategy. And whether that's hiring a CISO or maybe it's, making security a part of your your overall business impact strategy or your continuity planning. There's a lot of consideration that needs to be done. And then, of course, like you're talking about a pen test is opening eye opening and uh, creates this whole new perspective for, um, hey, if this really did happen, if this wasn't some friendly organization, this would have been a huge deal for us. Um, I think that as we've seen a lot of organizations be tied 100 percent in the cloud, it's a whole new level of like ransomware attacks, where they're ransoming their whole organization. And we have your backups, we have all your applications, we have all your code. You pay this, or we just shut you down entirely. I mean, that that's a whole other revelation. I think that organizations, especially smaller ones who may not have a CISO, need to consider. Uh, need to consider.
0: So let's let's get down to the brass tacks here uh, to to talk about what your typical customer is and what they spend on your your service.
1: Yeah, so um, our typical customer falls into kind of anywhere from about 5,000 employees to a few hundred thousand. Uh, I think that our largest customer is somewhere around 200 something thousand employees. Um, I think that we really provide a an amazing insight for an organization with that amount of employees being able to provide that holistic context around how each one of those users are behaving and the things that they're clicking on and the the way that they're interacting with other assets in their environment. And then understanding the vulnerabilities and the misconfigurations across all their entities so that that's one value prop but then Smaller organizations that maybe have just it's just a few hundred employees um, really still have a different type of context and uh, capability that they see focused within there. So uh, I I deployed XM Cyber at my house um, and I do have four kids. But um, uh, it was interesting and eye opening for me. It's kind of running my little pen test at home to see like, hey, my kids playing their little video games. The risk that that poses to my NAS that has all of my files and all of my my tech- tax information and pictures and stuff, being able to map like, hey, if my my kids were attacked and that was an asset that was compromised, what does the risk of two my NAS that's sitting there over in my secure DMZ? So there's different levels of value that comes from different areas obviously we were talking about the organizations that don't have a cso organizations that do have a cso the red teams each one kind of has different values but overall i think anyone could benefit from that map of possible from that attackers perspective uh even if it is just me at home with my like uh 20 machines and my four kids and kind of understanding all of the different ways that an attack vector could happen within my organization
0: Okay, so how much would it cost me to, to put this into my system?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, since I'm director of sales engineering, I mean, probably worked with plenty of SEs. I think. R- Rule number one of any sales engineer is never talk about the price. Uh, <laughs> any account manager would probably rip me to shreds. I could tell you about how we're licensed. I'm not quite sure I, I really even have the right information, so how much it costs. We, I know. We are... I,
0: I, I, ask, I ask a question of everyone. They all say the same thing. <laughs> oh, we can't <laughs> tell you about that.
1: Exactly.
0: But, but I mean, as, a, as a, a legitimate journalist, I am required to ask that question. Oh, and I Have know. you say yeah. no, no, no comment?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, that's good. You, you're you're doing your job, and I'm doing my mine. We both get gold stars for the day. But uh, we, we are licensed as a SaaS platform. We do have on-premise capabilities for organizations that, that still are hesitant to deploy uh, in those SaaS environments. Um, each one of our modules is licensable. So we have our cloud attack, uh, which does cloud attack simulations within uh, IaaS environments like AWS and Azure. We have our attack simulation, which is more for the, like, the on-prem attack simulation. And then vulnerability management for, of taking up those use cases for those legacy vulnerability management use cases like with your uh, your Saint and your Nessus and uh, all of those type of old legacy vulnerability management systems, just doing that standard vulnerability management scanning. So each one of those three components is a licensable feature. Uh, and then we ent- we license based off of the number of entities. So, hey, number of uh, your Mac, Linux, and Windows systems, the uh, number of cloud objects, uh, those type of things. So, that's, that's a, a high level perspective of how we license.
0: All right. Well, I'll let it go with that. <laughs> okay. So, that's my interview with Paul Giorgi at uh, XM Cyber, and now I'm going to talk a little bit about what he said, because there is nothing he said that was wrong. What XM Cyber is doing is a very important aspect of cybersecurity. You need to know where your weaknesses are. and Lots of companies will do that for you. Basic penetration testing will do that for you. XM Cyber might be unique in that they start with the the endpoint of where an attack might happen and then work back to how somebody would get to it that's a pretty smart way of doing things but it's still just a penetration test and the fact is that that kind of protection is available widely uh, I, I, I use a, an ISP that actually provides uh, a, a a method of protection in which they will tell me when somebody in my network is accessing a website that may be bad. Okay, and that just because it may be bad, they have blocked it automatically. And that's great because the bad websites are the ones that put in the malware. So there are companies out there that are doing this, but what needs to happen is that the cyber industry of companies, in fact, all of technology companies need to invest more in the process of learning what the market really needs. Not what they think it needs, but what it really needs. And one of my bugaboos about uh, the industry is they use this common phrase when somebody asks them about how much it's going to cost. And they say, well, just think about how much it's going to cost if you get bleached. Well, guess what? They already know that. They know the cost of what it's going to be. What they don't want to do is spend money on a product or service that doesn't protect them, that doesn't stop that breach. They want to know how protected are they. So cyber security companies need to say, "This and this is the honest truth, you cannot be absolutely sure you're going to be protected. But you can reduce the number of possible attack vectors by using certain tools could be any tool, any tool at all, as long as it works. Uh, You can do penetration testing. you You can set up sandboxes. You can do all these kinds of things. You just need to decide, okay, I'm going to put this much money into the budget and I'm going to find a product or service that fits into this. XM Cyber, they're focused on the big companies. Why? Well, as Willie Sutton said, that's where the money is. But the fact of the matter is, that there's a lot of money to be made in the small to medium business world and in the individuals. Just as I said, I've got a, a tool that blocks uh, bad websites. And, so, and that's free. So every, you need to know, know that there are things out there that can protect you, that there are communities out there that can protect you with very little money put out. But at the same time, having that budget to do something is is more important than trying to figure out which one is going to do it all. And that is not going to do it. And that's it for uh, Crucial Tech this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed what you've had to say. Uh, I've got a couple of news stories coming up uh, that are going to be fairly interesting. Uh, one, one might be uh, one of those holy grails I'm talking about. If you have any questions, concerns, tips, uh, you can go to anchor.m slash crucialtech and you have to say. I make you a star in the program. You can also go to our, our magazine at cyberprotection.com at cyberprotection1word-magazine.com. And, cyberprotection, one word, dash, magazine.com. and uh, you can contact us there. Uh, you can read some new stories and you can leave us some tips there. Uh, thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next time.